Floors are more than just the surfaces that we walk on. They shape the ambiance, functionality, and aesthetic appeal of our living spaces. From classic hardwoods to sleek tiles, the choices can seem endless. But fear not, dear listeners, as we're here to guide you through this fascinating journey of residential flooring options. So whether you're embarking on a home renovation, building your dream house, or simply seeking some inspiration, this episode is tailor-made just for you. We'll explore a variety of flooring types, unraveling their unique characteristics and helping you make informed decisions when it comes to your floors. Are you ready to uncover the secrets behind Hardwood's timeless elegance? Or perhaps the affordability and versatility of laminate? Maybe you've considered the warmth and coziness of carpet or the sustainability of eco-friendly options. Well, you're in the right place. Welcome back to Disco Designs. My name is Dave. I'm an emerging interior designer based in Brisbane, Queensland. And I thank you so much for joining me again on the episode as promised, I'm back. It didn't take me long to come back and do another show. So I'm starting to settle into a groove and that is fantastic. I drew inspiration today from what's happening in my life. I'm looking at some flooring options from my apartment, not internal though. I'm looking for some external paving, but it got me thinking about the process that I went through when I went to change the flooring in my apartment and the different pros and cons I had to sort of consider and weigh up. And this episode is to give you a bit of a rundown of how I would typically deal with this conversation in a client uh, interaction, where I would kind of make a decision and eliminate some flooring choices based on the aesthetics, the functionality, lifestyle of an individual, and of course, cost and feel. So in this episode, we're going to talk about a number of different flooring types. It's not going to be absolutely exhaustive, but it's going to be uh, representative of, I think, most things that are in the market today and that are quite popular. So it's really important that you consider your flooring choices before just jumping into it, right? Flooring is a big commitment. It's going to last a fairly long time. It's also pretty inconvenient to change. If you decide that you are living in a space and you want to change some flooring, it can be a bit of a pain to remove furniture, to remove fittings, to have to even move out for a day or two and stay somewhere else. So it's not like a, a cushion or a lampshade where we can kind of mix it out ad hoc. So you want to take a little bit of time to get it right. Residential flooring does differ in some ways to that of what we have in a commercial environment, mainly around cleanability and durability, but there's definitely some crossover in what's available in the market. But this episode is going to be talking primarily about residential flooring options for you. Let's talk about what you should be thinking about when you are choosing a floor. Aesthetics, the look is obviously pretty high up there. What's it going to look like? What's the impact it's going to have on the design and the ambiance of the room and of your whole space? That's important. Durability is another one. Choosing a, f a flooring finish that is going to last for an appropriate amount of time. Is it easier to care for and to maintain? Does it require sanding? Does it require oiling? Uh, what's How do you clean it? What, what's the maintenance considerations? 
And then, of course, finally, does it fit in with your budget? If you are looking to renovate or you are designing an entire house, also considering the zoning of the floorings because there's a pretty good chance that you're going to have more than one type of flooring in your living space, that you're going to have something different in at least your bathroom and kitchen compared to the rest of the space. You may have the same flooring in the kitchen. Bathroom is probably the one area that you're definitely going to have a different space, but some people don't. It, it really depends on, on exactly what you've chosen. So let's start from the top. I'm going to kind of categorize these by type of flooring, talk about some pros and cons, maybe talk about where they sit cost-wise typically and some of the gotchas that you should consider. So let's begin with probably my favorite, and that is the timeless appeal of hardwood flooring. My wisdom to you, if you happen to purchase a house that has hardwood flooring and it's in good nick, don't change it. Unless there is some really amazingly valid reason why not, I just think it's such a waste to put something over hardwood. I love hardwood floors so much. I just think they're beautiful and they're rich and they're, you know, they're natural. They've just got such a beautiful feel to them. So I love hardwood floorings. It makes my heart cry when I see people covering them up with carpet. It's very unsettling, but uh, look, I understand there's times when maybe you need to, but I do love a bit of hardwood. So let's talk about the... First of all, the aesthetics of hardwood. It's available in a number of different timbers. Plenty of different color options for you. Some that uh, require a fair bit of staining, some that don't. Hardwood flooring is probably going to be the higher end of flooring costs for you. You're probably looking at a starting point roughly in Australia of probably at least $75 a square meter. And that can go up and up and up depending on exactly what type of wood you get, what species of wood, and of course, labor as well. That's really just material only. So whether it's an oak or a maple or a walnut or whatever it is, there's plenty of beautiful options out there for you. So traditional hardwood flooring is full plank and times have kind of moved on. You might have seen some renovation shows or you might have experienced this in, in your own space before when people actually are nailing down uh, hardwood flooring. That typically doesn't happen with many products these days. The wood is usually milled and it then has a tongue and groove system, which is built into it, I guess, built into it, carved into it so that they slot together and they interlock. And then they're still fixed to the floor, either glued or there might be some some sort of nailing system, but it's not like back in the old days where there were rectilinear flat edge planks where you would nail through the middle to secure them down. So um, they're usually a tongue and groove system that have been manufactured up. Very durable, decent resistance to moisture. Yes, I would. you could absolutely use it in a kitchen. No, you don't really want to go absolutely saturating it, but it's wood. It's natural wood, okay? It's going to... Uh, cope well with a certain amount of moisture. Uh, you don't want to be saturating it all the time because you could expose it to some rot, but you know, that would have to be like puddles of water very regularly. Getting a bit of water on it, mopping the floor is not going to be too much of an issue for you with a full hardwood floor. 
One of the big considerations with a hardwood floor though is expansion and contraction. So I live in Queensland. We have moderate temperature swings here in that obviously it's it's pretty warm during the summer and um, it's not as warm in the winter. We don't get especially cold winters. But if you have a natural hardwood flooring, you're going to get expansion and contraction, especially with humidity and with heat. So in hotter weather, it'll tend to dry out a little bit more and it might shrink down. And then in more humid weather, it's going to, the pores in the wood, because it is porous, are going to expand a little bit more. So at different times of the year, especially if you've had a flooring in place for a couple of years, you may notice some separation between your timber joints. This also really is highlighted by different layout patterns. If you've got like a chevron floor or a herringbone floor where there is lots of intersecting joins, you're possibly going to see those expansion and contraction joints a lot more obviously if you're just doing a, a standard plank layout. So that's something to consider as well. Durability. Modern the modern tongue and groove hardwood systems actually have a very similar wear layer to an engineered flooring, which is what we're going to talk about in just a moment. So you usually have between two to maybe four millimeters of what we call the wear layer. That is the layer that you can sand back and you can restain. So you should be able to get a couple of sands and restains out of a full hardwood floor. It's a little bit different, as I said, with the tongue and groove system. The introduction of the tongue and groove system means that you can't just keep sanding and sanding and sanding it back because eventually you'll hit the tongue and groove section. And then obviously the the uh, fastening of the planks is going to become compromised. So if you see or hear about a wear layer being referenced on either engineered or hardwood flooring, that's what it means. It's the, the, the millimeters that are on the top, which can wear down from you walking on it or that can be sanded down more likely and then restained. That's another really good feature of hardwood flooring is obviously you can restain it. So if uh, you want to bring it back to life or maybe you've had a change of heart or design down the, down the, uh, down the line in a couple of years, it's, it's an effort, but it doesn't mean you have to rip up the entire flooring. You can just sand it back, restain it, re-oil it, uh, whatever you want to do to it. Be aware though with restaining, there are limitations to what you can do, especially if you're trying to go for blonder, lighter woods. There becomes a point where you take an oak, for example, which is a very classic flooring. Uh, you try and make that lighter. There's only so much you can, so light that you can go before you need to actually bleach the wood, which can kind of sometimes compromise the look or integrity a little bit of it but it's possible. So it's a bit like your hair, right? It's, it's easy to dye your hair darker than it is to make it lighter than its original color. Same applies for wood. Maintenance on timber flooring, probably just the big thing is to avoid scratches. Heavy furniture, need feet on it. Rugs are great over you know high traffic living areas to help prevent scratches through timber flooring. Of course, you can kind of buff it out and do a light bit of waxing as per manufacturer installer instructions as you need. I want to leap off the hardwood now into what I think is actually a very sensible and smart option, which is engineered flooring, engineered um, timber flooring. So what is engineered timber flooring? Engineered timber flooring is similar to a... Um, uh, 
a veneer that we use in a, in like a kitchen or a, a cabinet, wherein by you have a real layer of wood on top, so your, your hardwood flooring, that, that in this case is your wear layer. Again, just like I mentioned with your full timber flooring, your engineered flooring has a similar wear layer, usually between two to four millimeters, sometimes a little bit more of actual wood of that species. And then underneath is a series of plywood panels which crisscross on each other. And it can vary between maybe three and five and seven layers of plywood underneath it. And that is where then the tongue and groove system is built in. So from the surface, you are getting all of the benefits aesthetically, uh, durability-wise, refinishing-wise. You can refinish hardwood flooring. You need to, again, be aware of that wear layer. But because it's actual wood on top, you can refinish it. So you say then, Dave, well, why would I go for a full timber. Well, that's still absolutely a possibility. The advantage of using an engineered flooring system is what I, going back to what I said about expansion and contraction, because the plywood layers behind the actual veneer of timber are crisscrossed and glued together, they provide lateral bracing and it minimizes expansion and contraction because you'll have the plywood pulling one way and then the layer below and above will be pulling the other way. So it helps to keep everything together. There's more resistance, which means it is not going to expand and contract as much as an engineered, as a full timber flooring. It's what makes the engineered a little bit more resilient is that plywood layer. The installation, very, very similar. The look of it, very, very similar. The wear layer, very, very similar. Cost, once upon a time, I'd say, yeah, engineered flooring was, was cheaper than hardwood flooring. However, we are now seeing, I guess if you get a really expensive, rarer wood on an engineered floor, it's going to cost you more than maybe a basic oak in a full timber floor panel. So there's extremes in both scenarios at its base point, engineered flooring, wood for wood, is probably going to be more cost effective in the engineered panel. And I think in definitely my climate, that it's a better performance option is to go for the engineered flooring because of the expansion and contraction of it. Yeah. And you're not really losing too much with the wear layer. Some of the engineered ones have a quite a thin veneer on or thin veneer layer on top. So you just be aware of that when you're checking out the specific uh, product line from the manufacturer, yeah? So there's your hardwoods and your engineered floorings. The next most popular one that I would see by and far is going to be laminate or vinyl flooring or vinyl plank, sometimes called LVP, luxury vinyl plank, or a laminate flooring. This is actually what I have in my apartment. And primarily this was because of cost efficiencies and the fact that I actually wanted to install it myself. So what is a laminate flooring? Um, laminate flooring or the luxury vinyl planks, I guess we need to distinguish those two. So you can have literal single vinyl sheets. So if you imagine a thin layer of vinyl is flexible, a bit like a rubbery, a rubbery noodle, a long plank that you can literally just bend with your hands. That is what we call just a vinyl sheet. And it can look like a wood plank. Most of these products are designed to mimic the look of wood. 
So they will kind of have the design on it and you might feel a relief texture on top of it that, has, that mimics the, the wood grain on it. These vinyl planks are glued and adhered directly to the substrate. So usually that's going to be a concrete floor. It might be a timber floor. It might be an MDF uh, or a particle board substrate. And they will stick there and that's it done. Some of the advantages of these vinyl individual vinyl sheetings is they are they're very durable they very easy to install you can cut them just with a stanley knife so you don't need that much experience to install them if something happens to one of the planks you can just rip them up like they're glued down so it's going to be a little bit of effort but you can remove it and that you can then lay a new one down they're also much more resistant to water and uh, Again, in Brisbane, we have issues with flooding. They're going to be more resilient to water and flooding damage as well. Um, or where you might be close to some exterior. Maybe you've got like some sort of slightly indoor-outdoor situation. I wouldn't recommend it for outdoor, but maybe you're getting some sort of, I don't know, like a mudroom. People are walking in and they've kind of got wet feet. Then this could be a good option for you. And also they're usually very cost effective. The vinyl sheetings, they, they're like, you know, sometimes 20 bucks a meter or lower to get started. So they're a good cost of entry. Some of the downsides of these sheetings is they don't really have a cushioning layer into it. You're talking about a sheet that is maybe a millimeter thick, maybe two millimeters thick. They're not very thick. So if you've got a concrete slab underneath that, it's still gonna be quite firm underfoot. If you had a particle board or a timber flooring substrate, there's probably going to be a little bit more cushion and give, but you, you're winning on the cost side with that. Aesthetically, they can look great. There's plenty of, you can get a lot more expensive of these vinyl sheeting planks and they will look more expensive. And they kind of just, the colors are a bit richer and look closer to wood or the, the feel is quite good as well. So that is definitely an option. I would probably reserve that for somewhere where I needed really high durability and I maybe wasn't concerned as much about the luxe and the feel of it all, but definitely a good option to consider. I mentioned the luxury vinyl plank. So now we imagine we take that flexible layer, right, that we just glue down to the floor and instead what they do to give us laminate flooring or the luxury vinyl plank is they stick it to a usually an MDF timber board which has a tongue and groove on it so now we are getting and you I'm sure you've probably seen these in hardware stores or you've seen online or you've seen seen on renovation shows putting down the vinyl plank so they are now instead of being flexible and and movable around it's now a rigid single plank which has a tongue and groove but it still has the same design on top and some brands produce literally the same design on the flexible sheeting as they do on the vinyl planks so sometimes the the, the finished look can be exactly the same what are the advantages of using the vinyl luxury vinyl plank over just straight up vinyl you get a bit more of a cushion layer so now we're talking about maybe a four to five millimeter plank sometimes more sometimes less you use an underlay system with these so these are a, what we call a floating floor generally you are not generally going to glue these down they're going to be a floating floor and that's hence the tongue and groove they be they will be butted up against 
whatever wall or um, trim that you have, whether it's a transition through to a different floor type or if it's a transition and it's butted right up against uh, your plasterboard. So the floor is floating, means it's not stuck to the ground. There's either an underlay sheet that is rolled out onto the floor, which looks like foil on one side and foam on the other, and that's like your underlay, or a lot of them are becoming uh, incorporated into the actual plank. So it'll have a little foam layer on the back, and that is your cushioning layer. Does a couple of things, helps to dampen noise, helps to make the footfall be a little bit softer and a little bit lighter, and also helps to reduce a bit of noise. As I said, it's a tongue and groove system. So unlike the vinyl sheets where you can just rip it up and change it, if one becomes damaged, you would have to pull the flooring system apart, meaning you'd have to kind of destroy some flooring to replace a plank. So that can be a bit of a downside. Uh, I think the main advantage is probably the feel. And for most people who are doing a laminate flooring, they are generally doing the planks. Because I think, number one, it feels a bit more like you're doing a timber floor. But number two is just the thickness. You've got more to step onto. It feels more sturdy. You're not just kind of squishing through and feeling whatever substrate is happening underneath. And they're probably going to be a little bit more durable. Generally speaking, out of the box, these planks are not waterproof because they have an MDF substrate. However, some of them are now solid laminate, or they, which is just plastic, or they are fully enclosed, or the, the outer perimeter is fully enclosed and protected from the elements, uh, which means they are suitable for wet areas. I wouldn't be using them in a bathroom uh, as, a, as a wet area. I would be maybe using them in a laundry would be okay. It's probably more the kitchen I'm thinking of. If you have a budget-friendly vinyl plank, that isn't waterproof in a kitchen situation, then if you even if you're getting a little bit of water, it can become a problem because it begins to seep down the cracks or it gets underneath it. And then the MDF, which is not remotely water resistant in this case, it will just start to swell and buckle and be gross. So be aware of that. You can absolutely get ones that are better suited for a wet area, even if it's just the kitchen. Just check out for them. Installation of these, as I said, tongue and groove, they're a floating floor. They do require uh, a saw of some description to cut them to length. Um, I learned that one the hard way, doing my own flooring because I use this system. Uh, in America, you see them just cutting it with a Stanley knife, even the planks. Our planks in Australia absolutely require a saw. They're much, much thicker. You can't just score and snap them. They need to be uh, either done with a bench saw or a circular saw or a drop saw. I ended up doing most of mine with a handsaw because it was over a Christmas period and I didn't want to annoy my neighbors. Um, so that was a three days of my life that I'll never get back. But I did it and I saved myself some money. So both of these products can be really cost effective. Even the vinyl planks can start from as little as $20 per square meter as well. Keeping along the hard surfaces, let's move along to tiling. I have mixed feelings about tile. I love the durability of tile. I, I think I just enjoy tile in very specific ways. Kitchens, bathrooms, love it. I, I don't always love tile in a living space. 
or in an office or especially a bedroom. However, I think it just comes down to the execution of it. In my mind, when I say I don't love tile in those living bedroom office spaces, I am thinking of like a, a, a travertine tile from like the 90s with a thick grout line, which just feels really, feels like I'm in some sort of Tuscan place. That's what I'm thinking of. And that's not really much of a vibe. However, we've come so, so far and there's a squillion products on the market. So if you could do a beautiful tile that was maybe like a semi-gloss, which has got a really minimal grout line in a large format, then I can absolutely back it in some of these public spaces. Before you start tiling these big spaces though, think about your climate. If I was in far north Queensland, I would say tile your little heart out, baby, because it's hot up there and we want just, you know, a nice, nice cool flooring most of the year. If you're down in Tasmania or in, in Melbourne or Victoria, I'd go, do you really want cold tiles? I don't know. In your bedroom? In your living room? Of course, kitchen and bathroom, fine, 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 fine. No dramas with. But, uh, and, you know, if you're going to do tiles in your bathroom in country Victoria, please go ahead. Make sure you've got some underfloor heating. Oh, beautiful touch, beautiful touch. But not so much in the bedroom, unless you're going to heat it, but that's going to cost you a bit. So I would think long and hard about just my climate and where I was living and if I felt like tiling was really compatible with it. So let's set aesthetics aside for just a second. Tiling can look absolutely beautiful. From a functionality point of view, it's extremely durable. Very easy to keep clean. You can kind of get your scrub and brush out and go your little hardest. It's good to good for just general dirt. Like if you don't have the fibers of carpet or anything, which are sucking up all of dirt and, and grime. Great for people with allergies as well. Um, maintenance is very low. It's probably the repair that can be a bit tricky. Having said that, yeah, if you did have to rip up a tile or two, just make sure, of course, with any of these products, make sure you order more than what you need and you've got some spare up your pocket in case you need to replace anything down the line. But replacing a tile isn't the end of the world. You know, it's something you could tackle yourself or it shouldn't be a terribly long job for a tradesperson to come in and retile a little bit of area if it needs doing, if for whatever reason something gets dropped and smashes or cracks the tile. Pricing wise, you're probably looking at, you know, baseline $30 a square meter for just the product. And you've got a, a whole different variety of uh, options out there, whether it's ceramic, porcelain, natural stone, anything in between. Actually, porcelain slab, I've talked about that in my engineered stone episode. And you can use porcelain slab on floors as well. And I think that actually looks really beautiful, really large. You're talking about like three and a half meter by 1.5, 1.6 meter slabs of tile. That's a great way to achieve a very seamless look in a large area. So I think that's definitely something you could look at. Very resistant to moisture. It's not going to expand and contract. Uh, it's probably just the grout lines is the anything from maintenance. If you've got decent grout lines, like if they're... A sort of a normal size they're not the minimalist ones choosing a color that's going to work with the tile and it's going to wear appropriately on the floor bearing in mind it's going to get dirty 
So a, a pure white floor tile with a pure white grout is going to require a lot of upkeep to keep it in that pristine con condition. Otherwise, the grout's going to start to really contrast against the tile as time goes on. But, you know, them's the breaks of it. The next obvious flooring type that we haven't talked about is carpet. And much like tiles, I have mixed and conflicting opinions on carpet. On one hand, I love the feeling of carpet underfoot, but I don't always love cleaning it. And I don't love the fact that it can harbor and trap so much dirt depending on the pile. And I don't necessarily love how it wears over time. And those last two things that I just mentioned, both the, the dirt and also the, the wearing or the marking of the carpet can be averted or minimized by your carpet selection. What do I think of the no-go zones for carpet? Bathroom, a thousand percent. Never, never. We don't want to, this isn't the 70s anymore. No carpet in bathrooms, no carpet in kitchens, nowhere where it's going to get dirty and gross. I would be semi-cautious about the abundance of carpet I use in a, if I had a busy dining space, if I had a large family, especially with young kids, and if I had the option of doing different flooring in a dining space, I would be thoughtful about it. It's not that I wouldn't do it because very often I, I actually will go the other way. If I'm given a project with a timber floor and a dining space, very often I'll put a rug underneath it. So I, I can't you know, pick and choose when I want to do this. So I think it's totally valid to have carpet under dining. Just beware of the kids and how busy that's going to be. It's obviously beautiful and soft and com comfortable. It's nothing greater than taking your feet out of bed in the middle of winter, plonking them down on the floor, and it's a beautiful soft carpet. Like, it's beautiful. It's great. It brings warmth to a space, both physically and just visually. It adds a softness. Great at sound uh, absorption and insulation. So it can help, obviously, not only with the echoing and vibrations in a space. If you've got a tall space or one that is very large in dimension and you are looking to try and cozy it down, carpet is definitely a way to do that. So I'm, I'm thinking about if you had a grand bedroom suite, carpet is probably on your list of what you want to consider. But also noise insulation. If you had a multi-story house and you wanted to try and minimize footfall, if you were maybe working with an older building, then carpet is a great way to minimize that. So carpet has its appeals. It's also can be quite cost effective. $35 a square meter plus underlay, which is fairly negligible plus installation. I think if you kind of finger in the wind of a basic carpet is around 50 to $75 a square meter installed is pretty decent depending on what sort of carpet you get. Um, You've got to consider the lifespan of carpet, I guess, as well. It is something that is probably going to need more, it potentially needs to be replaced more frequently, definitely than like a timber floor. Although you might refinish a timber floor at a similar period that you would re-carpet a floor. Um, I think that probably 10 to 15 years is probably the end life of a carpet with frequent use, depending on its composition. So there is a couple of, speaking of compositions, there's a number of different, uh, carpet types to consider. My favorite one is called Triaxta. 
which is, it's an artificial fiber, but it's very durable and dense, but it has the feeling of wool. So obviously sustainability and vegan friendly is my calling card. So I tend to steer clear of wool. And this is a, this is a catch 22 of that thought process that thought process, right, is wool is a natural fiber and it biodegrades. However, I'm not really comfortable with how it is manu- or how it is um, produced. So instead, we're trying to then look at other man-made fabrics, whether it's a nylon, polyester, triester, um, or a combination there of fibers that work for you. But I think when choosing a carpet, first thing to consider is how is it going to be is it for your home personally are you going to live in the space or is it for a public space or is it going to be for a rental if it's for a rental the reality is we generally want something that is a closed loop fiber or a twist loop and we want something that is going to be very dense and resilient to wear and isn't going to be a particularly long pile that can absorb a lot of dirt right Whereas probably the opposite is true if it's maybe for your home and you can kind of be a bit more gentle and you can take care of the carpet a little bit better. Maybe we can do a longer pile. Maybe we do, you know, a a twist is still a great pile to do, but maybe we do something that is um, a little bit more luxurious, right? A little bit more variation and it's a bit denser and we're probably going to do a deeper underlay as well because it's going to help to um, improve the durability of it all. I think getting samples is probably the the number one best thing to do with carpet. Go to showrooms, talk to your design consultants, get them to take you through the different flooring options for carpet because there are so many. And brand A compared to brand B for exactly the same composition can feel very, very different. And for me, the feel of carpet is probably the most important thing. So going with that, then starting to think about how can we get one in a colorway we want and also then the durability. Things I don't love about carpet, as I, I've already mentioned before, is really just the fact that it can trap a lot of stuff in it. But take good care of it. It'll last a really long time, and it's a really beautiful option. It is relatively um, straightforward to get installed, and it's actually not terrible to repair. You can do patch repairs on it if needs be. Uh, there's some very talented people I've seen on TikTok who do carpet repairs, a couple of businesses, and it's kind of shocking how how uh, well they can patch them up and re-blend the carpets, which is pretty cool. And if you need to fully change out the carpets, yes, it's a pain to take everything out of a space, but it's probably a little bit more straightforward and speedier than getting uh, a timber plank pulled up and then re-put down as well. So it's it's probably easier to turn churn and burn them and get to the next next flooring with a carpet as well. There are only a couple of other ones I just want to touch on, and these are more of your five percent ones, which are maybe only make up a small portion of the market, which is products like bamboo. Bamboo is popular for its sustainability in the fact that it is quick growing. That's what makes bamboo more sustainable is that it grows really quickly. Same with cork. Cork is actually making a big resurgence. Resurgence. If you're listening and you're kind of shuddering at the thought of cork flooring because you've got some, uh, the image of the 1970s or 80s immediately comes to your brain with a rich orangey yellow lacquered 
cork floor, cork floor comes to mind, then uh, you'll be pleased to know the world has moved on a lot since then. There are some beautiful cork floorings that are coming through and they have a lot of benefits. First of all, cork is sustainable because the tree does not need to actually be cut down to harvest the cork. So the trees continue, it's made from a cork tree. So the outer layers of the tree can actually be harvested while the tree continues to grow, which is really good and sustainable. Very good antimicrobial uh, properties that it has. So it's good for people with allergies. It's good for keeping pests and bugs at bay. When sealed and treated correctly, it's very water resistant. Uh, end of life, it biodegrades. So it'll kind of go back into the earth, which is quite good. Generally, they are cork tiles, although there's some really interesting sheet products that I keep seeing for wall linings and other other wonderful applications. But because they're usually a floor tile, they can be replaced if one becomes really, really damaged. Uh, so there's lots of benefits to cork. If I had lots of pets, especially ones that like to claw a bit, I'd maybe be a little bit more cautious, but those barrier layers are usually quite good. Uh, in there. So there are some wonderful colorways available in, in cork now, not only the traditional cork colored browns, but also some beautiful, cool, dark colors closer to blacks and charcoals, and also some really beautiful blonde, almost white cork pieces. So if, if that's something that's piquing your interest, and I think cork, if I had my time again, I think I would actually do cork in my house. Uh, it can be quite cost effective, and it's also fantastic for noise and vibration insulation. I think I would definitely look at doing cork again if it was me. Speaking of sustainability, here is a, a, a nice thought for you as well. If you have a concrete slab, especially if you're pouring a new one, Depending on your climate, have you thought about polished concrete? Polished concrete offers a lot of values. If you've got a concrete slab, which most likely you do, from a sustainability point of view, I've talked about previously, the most sustainable thing for you to do is nothing at all. Okay, but the reality is you've already got a concrete slab there. If you can get that concrete slab poured to standard, which can be used to polish it, then you're not having to actually do anything else on top of that concrete. You're not, uh, you're not purchasing vinyl, which is essentially plastic, which is going to end up in landfill someday. You're not buying carpet, which is going to have to be rolled up and chucked in landfill. Um, you're not going to be cutting down trees for timber. You've actually already got the substrate there, which is your concrete floor, right? And the process of a polished concrete floor is they will come through with polishing machines and it will just grind down that top layer. And it does a couple of really good things in that process. First of all, it densifies the top layers. So it becomes extremely durable, really durable. It becomes really resistant to water, dirt and bacteria. And of course, depending on how you get them to finish it, you can get different sheen levels, whether it's a, quite a matte look or a really beautiful high gloss look. Polished concrete isn't going to be for everyone. It's not going to be for every climate. If you've got young children running around, like that's a bit of a uncomfortable landing, especially if they're really young kids. Having said that, if they're older or maybe you, you know, you've got adult children or no children and it's just you and whoever and everyone's responsible adults, then concrete, polished concrete can be beautiful. And um, 
it can look amazing, easy to keep clean, very little maintenance to it as well. And you're not doing anything else to the substrate. You're, you know, you're not putting anything else on top of it, using what's already there. Lino, that's a, a, a product which is still banging around the, the streets as well, along with reclaimed wood. These are kind of things that we see that maybe having a, a, um, a renaissance coming back in. Lino, linoleum. It's not your grandma's lino. It's a brand new product and range. It's still living alive and well. And again, it's actually very environmentally friendly because it's made from linseed oil and reclaimed wood as well as too because you're literally reclaiming wood. I think both these products fit a certain aesthetic and a, and a reason, um, but it's definitely something for you to consider as well. All right, well, that kind of brings me through to the end of the show. I've talked, I feels like for a long time now about a whole bunch of different products. Takeaway from today, maybe a couple of pros and cons for each of those product types. Understand that there's no one size fits all solution. Think about the aesthetics, think, think about the durability and the application of the product. And um, and then of course, try and you need, need to find something that's gonna fit your price point as well. And the good news is that there's sort of a, a low price point, high price point option for everyone in all of these categories. So uh, hopefully you should be able to find something that you love and that works really functionally in your space as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Dave from Disco Designs. If you would like to talk about your interior design project, you can visit my website at disco.design. That's D-I-S-K-O.design. Click on the contact page and then you can fill out, um, actually there's a whole calendar there. You can see my full availability. You can book in a discovery session where we can talk and have a conversation about your project, get to know each other a little bit and hopefully create a little bit of magic together. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to speaking to you really soon.